Hello and welcome to Fantasy Talk Show, a place where heroes come to tell their stories. Our guest today is Margaret, a black lily from the world of Sphere. In this three-part interview, we talk at length about what the Black Lily organization is, what being a black lily means to her, and her complicated relationship with the crew of the Uhuru. So without further ado, you've previously mentioned the luminaries and they're guiding you. Not everybody who listens to the show is going to be familiar what the luminaries are. Uh, would you mind going into that a little bit? Well, I hope you and your listeners will have patience. Uh, the luminaries are a very complicated concept, especially for folk not raised with an awareness of them. Uh, being on spear, uh, the luminaries are things so common and universal in human experience that I never have to form the words for explanation. In our world, there are forces that guide all things. They do not enforce themselves on all things necessarily. A luminary can be ignored, can be defied, or cooperated with or owed. A luminary is not necessarily an entity, though there are some that behave in such a fashion. A popular example, and one that I now have come to understand I bear a very complicated relationship with, is the Forest Queen. The Forest Queen occupies the forests of Sphere and commands them, commands them very specifically. All forests are her domain in her kingdom. Her power can extend beyond their borders, but it is strongest at the core of her kingdom, where all flora and fauna are both a part of her body, soul, and separate beings that wander inside her domain uh and she has whims she has desires she has thoughts but there are luminaries like the union one of the most deeply celebrated and important luminaries in my order the union represents the connection between people and the strength of the connection between people there is power in it and it is a power Outside the power I spoke of earlier, all intimacy, all connections between people bears some strength. Uh, there is magical efficacy to all of those things. But the union is a force beyond even that, a force woven into the tapestry of the universe as part of a firm structural weave. Sphere cannot exist as it does without the Union, and the Union, therefore, is something that people can draw stability from, like one might draw stability from bedrock when standing upon it. It exists, it can be interacted with, it can be pleased and displeased, but it does not have a will or desire in the way that the Queen does. Then there are luminaries that are not overwhelming forces, but stories. Stories that are so deep and so vital to our world that they reinforce themselves, that they insist upon themselves throughout time and history, influencing the actions and outcomes of all living things on this planet. They don't necessarily desire anything or insist upon 
certain behaviors or actions, but they make those behaviors and actions possible. They like to be told and retold. So we have an understanding of them. We give them names and faces. They are stories like The Whale, a tale of revenge. The Whale is something that can exist in anyone's life. They can play out the story of a person who is obsessed and drives themselves to ruin in order to bring pain to an enemy. It is something that is very deeply a part of Sphere and that can capture people and set them to roles that have already been laid out by thousands, millions of people who have come before them. So, these collective forces are things we call luminaries. They don't necessarily dictate fate, but they can if you are someone who is willing to take the time to study them make you aware of possibilities and opportunities. Much of what I do as a traveling lily, I leave my decision-making of when to travel somewhere and where to travel based on what the luminaries tell me. So far, in the course of my time spent as a lily, which is, at this point, many decades, the luminaries have never steered me wrong. I have always found myself in a place where I could make a difference, and the kind of difference that I was intent on making. People compare luminary reading to star-watching, which is more of an exact science, but the theme and theory is similar. You put your faith in—well, not so much faith—you you set yourself into interpreting information that you glean from outside forces and make what meaning you can out of it. So, to clarify further, uh, we understand the luminaries as forces. We give them names. They each have themes and domains that they command and have power over. And we have written these down and put them into a deck of cards. And we use this deck of cards to interpret the world around us through which luminary has strength and prominence and through which luminary is allowing its intentions to be known or is placing promises in order to fulfill its own obsessions. So would you call this deck magic? Mm, not more magic than how the wind is magic or how rocks forming the various islands and continents that make up sphere are magic. They are the world, and the world is mysterious, and the world is grand, and when you don't understand it and cannot possibly comprehend it because it is so vast and so magnificent, some people choose to call such a thing magic, and I can't disagree with that assessment because magic to many people simply means power that is unspeakable and undefinable. Wow. I, I love that answer. You've talked a lot about you know, the organizations and the powers and a little bit about uh, personally how you're connected to uh, the world around you. I'd like to know a little bit more specifically about the, your adventures. <laughs> uh, you're a traveling lily, and a traveling lily has stories. I'd like to know maybe 
tell me a story that is very impactful to you. What is something you've done in your past that had a lot of meaning or, I mean, maybe just a fun story that you had a great time with? Oh, what a question. I, I, I suppose you are just looking for adventure. I will say that I was hired as a, a an escort for a young noble in Aram. She was a kind and shy young woman, which is rare for someone who occupied her station. If you've never been to Aram, Aram is a city that bills itself as magnificent. There is unignorable and ostentatious wealth around every corner juxtaposed against against the laboring classes and those that do not possess wealth that allows anyone to approach the word ostentatious. Uh, she was from a very wealthy family, connected by less than a marriage to the clear waters, uh, which meant that uh, her family is entitled to, through certain customs, an allowance uh, to continue her lifestyle. But as uh, many people uh, come to know, especially in the world of Aram, that being part of a social structure means your entire life is lived out adherent to rules that have demands of your personhood and your body and in many ways your soul. She was to be married off as part of an allegiance. And for many people, these marriages are inescapable. The politics surrounding marriage in Aram are complicated, and I find them to be quite distasteful. However, I do find myself in Aram every now and then, as it is a traveling hub. And there are more than a few lily parlors there. It's always good to show up and reconnect. I was made aware that this young noble was looking for an escort. In order for this marriage to go through, she needed to show that she had an education. Many people who are of a certain noble class will take education under rubies. Rubies are... They are not dissimilar from sex workers that you would see from port to port across many places in Sphere, uh, apart from their money and their external obligations. Uh, rubies not only perform uh, work for wealthy and influential clientele of an intimate nature, but they are also part of brokering negotiations, of handling diplomatic scenarios. It is not uncommon for someone of a certain stature to arrive at a ball or a diplomatic meeting or business deal with their spouse on one arm and a ruby on another. This client's family, though she was entitled to an allowance, it was not the sort of allowance that would allow someone to employ the services of a respectable ruby. In turn, in desperation, her family turned to the lilies, and most lilies would not take on this work because it is work of nobility to benefit money and often work that 
would lead to the detriment of another person's life. Mm, Having this poor girl married off to a marriage that would no doubt be loveless would not improve her, even if she truly believed it was what she wanted. But I, being a traveling lily and caring little for armed politics, instead (laughs) saw a person who was lonely and insecure and didn't know what she wanted out of life. We attended this ball where she was to meet her promised husband-to-be, and I was to be an escort in place of a ruby. Over the course of a long weekend, we learned that, indeed, her promised husband-to-be was actually someone that she would very much enjoy spending a life with, but neither of them would enjoy spending a life dictated by the families who had brought them together. Mm. So, together, the three of us conspired a way for them to find a life of their own outside of Aram and outside its complicated web of politics. In the end, the family got what they wanted. They got to be united, though not united through marriage as they had expected, united in frustration with two people that had abandoned the toxicity of their world. And the bride and groom-to-be got to be happy by leaving that world behind and finding life together in its own form of sweetness. And I got to be happy because I was paid very handsomely, and I know that I did what it took to make people find the happiness they needed to find. And are you now disconnected from that story, or do you know if they're happily ever after, as they say? Well, there's no such thing as happily ever after in anything but stories, but I do maintain all the connections that I once held. It is simply a matter of sorting through them and tugging on the string to see what has become of the people that I've met. It is not unwise specifically, but it is ill-advised for lilies to spend too much time worrying over the connections that they once held. Most of the services that we provide have to be very strictly defined. When someone comes in, say to a lily parlor, looking for a particular service, we define the terms of what that service will be, and even though we as a lily might come to understand larger needs of the client that rest beyond the initial services that they have requested, and we will try to unravel that, we do stay to the service that we have committed and then suggest to the client that following up over certain services might be useful or valuable to them. In performing service, we do what we can. We bring what they need, giving them exactly what they ask for within the parameters of what they can afford to pay and what we have time to do. Once someone has left your care, it is up to them whether they make true use of your service. I can talk to someone and help them find clarity, but that doesn't mean that after they leave my care, they will possess the strength to hold on to that clarity when situations become difficult or stressful. Nobody can fix themselves, even with the help of somebody who is very skilled and very talented and very powerful. Instead, you give people the help you can and hope they do with it what they will. 
So I could look in on this couple and let you know whether they have found some version of happily ever after. But my instinct tells me and my knowledge of human nature tells me that in the time since they have left my care, they have found happiness. They have also found struggle and frustration, and perhaps they have even tasted the bitterness of regret. But that is a human life. Whether I had met them or not, they would have to deal with similar emotional turbulences and worrying yourself over it and thinking about it, especially when you can't intervene only they can intervene on behalf of themselves, that isn't healthy, and it isn't wise. Still, a lily will, every now and then... Of course. ...take a peek. It's, it's curiosity. It's, it's simply human nature, and a, a thing that the Order of Black Lilies has learned is not possible to fully ignore. We just have guidelines for practicing it in a healthy way. I can tell you that those two still live, and they live with the happiness that, that, is, that it is possible for someone to expect. Their relationship isn't perfect, but it is lovely. Wow. Yeah, that's fair and uh, responsible, but I appreciate you taking the time to wax poetic on that story. I think that's a great story. Oh, forgive me. I, I do love the work. I, I, I hear the passion. I love the passion, to be quite frank. I love hearing you talk. It's almost uh, soothing just to hear you talk about your passions and what you love to do. You know, when, when there's love for the work and you hear somebody talking about it, it's apparent. And I'm glad I can hear it in your voice. It's one of the kindnesses that I think people are blessedly able to freely give one another. Many people don't know how much they help and heal one another simply by talking through their passions and their joys and their gratitudes. People love to hear those things. It always gives me joy to hear someone else talk about something that they truly love and believe in, and uh, I'm very glad to hear that I've been able to offer you the same benefit. Yeah, absolutely. So jumping forward a little bit in, in, the, in time, what are you currently up to? I know you mentioned you have some uh, hesitation, a little back and forth as to what, you know, you have almost a split in paths that you're struggling with. What, what, are, you, what are you doing with that? It is a complicated situation, uh, and one that I unfortunately have no experience or guidance with. And I, I will say this with, with the understanding that in normal circumstances, Lily's work is purely confidential, but the, there is an understanding about the odd nature of this interview and the fact that it will not touch an ear on Sphere uh, brings me brings me the peace of mind I need to discuss such matters openly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with a difficult client right now. One who I have made a promise to help them with something important. And I intend to keep that promise. However, that client has also laid down very clear boundaries about what his expectations for my behavior vis-a-vis -vis looking into his intimate past and history is. 
he is not volunteering any of this information, so I am left with a conundrum. I can either continue to pursue this client and perhaps make him feel uncomfortable as he is very clearly not consenting to moving forward with any discussion of anything of serious emotional substance for himself, or I can accept that he is a person who simply does not want to be helped. I feel he knows enough about me and those of my order to know the kind of help that I can provide him, and he has yet chosen to keep me at an arm's length distance. Mm. He has not sent me away. He has not made an excuse to dismiss me of my services. He has not made an indication that he intends to fully banish me from my obligations, which means to me that there is some part of him that does desire my services in true. Some part of him that would be willing to go through the difficult work that would be necessary to address the very deep-seated and serious problems that I am sensing and have seen firsthand with him. <sighs> he just has to come to terms with wanting that for himself. It almost sounds like he's he wants to come to terms with it and maybe doesn't know how. I try not to project that on anyone. That's fair. Especially with the clients that I find through luminaries and through the guidance of unseen hands, their conditions are more serious than, than many clients other lilies would encounter on their travels, even traveling lilies. The last client that I spent time with, uh, Travis Madigo, is a man afflicted with a deeply challenging condition and keeps challenging company on top of that he is an immortal hmm. he cannot die in a traditional sense and has lived a lifetime longer than even mine which is impressive by almost any metric uh there, there is a chance that we're closer in lifetime than i previously thought given the things that i've learned uh, but but still he carries burdens that most human beings can't carry simply by the virtue of his long life. Every person in their time will have losses, either friends who pass away or move on or so many circumstances that bring people into one's life and then so abruptly out of one's life. However, he carries several lifetimes worth of these losses, and instead he has tried to endure in the moment, which is challenging under the best of circumstances. Yeah, for sure. I believe my new client has a situation that is equally as complicated. I also believe that he very specifically wants outsiders to see his situation as mystic and complicated, and it, at this point, has been difficult to parse where the camouflage and where the true vulnerability lies, especially because he has established a very clear barrier for what I am allowed to look into and what I am not allowed to press on. So I am keeping the significance of that in mind as I weigh this. 
I believe my client, whether I impose a will or desire onto him or not, I very specifically believe that my client is suffering and suffering in a profound way. Mm. And I believe that it is the kind of suffering that almost no other being that walks spear can truly understand. And so he must come to the decision of whether or not he wants to be helped. There is a part of me that believes that should he decide that he does not want my help in this time, that he will never find help. Mm. I believe that the luminaries have guided me to him and guided him to my care in order for him to make this decision. I don't yet know if he sees the world in that way or if he ever will. If I make the decision that this is a man who does not want to be helped, there is a part of me that knows he will continue moving down a path that will condemn him in a way, in a sense. And the reason that I believe this thing and hold it to be true is because I left my previous client's care and found myself in a position where I was not able to return to him, at which point I came to a very serious revelation about myself and my past. And had I understood and known that before I left, there is a very distinct and real possibility that I would not have made the decision to leave at all. Hmm. I have found myself here with this information now, and it has come to me in this way, which to me means that I am supposed to be here. The luminaries have conspired to tell me this truth only when I was already set upon another course, and I take my oath very seriously. I would not abandon this man before I knew that he truly did not want to be helped even if there is a part of me that is intensely drawn to investigate what I have left behind. And is there a part of you that wants to just go? How to define this? Yes. Um, I mean, the lilies are important, and I understand your oath, but, I mean, sometimes we have to do what's right for the greater good, even if it's in conflict of what we really want. So, so I know that you'll do the right thing, but what do you want? I am someone who appreciates that truth in a very profound way, based, based on my education and based on the long life that I've already lived. I understand these things. It is important to know that human beings are creatures of story. Stories form how we shape and understand our own worlds. And the feelings that I have surrounding this issue can attach themselves to many stories. It would be very easy to convince myself of how important my own personal journey is or unraveling my past is. The very simple truth is I have existed on this sphere for 80 years without knowing that I had this past, that there was a life that I lived before I lost it and found another. 
it is very possible for me to exist in this world without ever investigating that. I know that as much as I know that it is very possible for me to pick up all the things that I have and set a course for the Uhuru so that I can immediately unravel this situation. I have to instead, because I am a lily and because I do know these truths, unravel the feelings that I carry and look at them openly and honestly, instead of attaching a story that would make it convenient to pursue action that might temporarily allow me some peace or joy or happiness before being tinged with a bitter regret. I intend to pursue whatever course of action I pursue next with deep and sincere intention. I plan to look at my life and the choices that I've made and the desires that I have, the needs that I have, and how they reckon with my oath, and then choose what to do next. I believe that no matter what, that I will cross paths with Travis Madigo again in the future. I can feel that. I can feel that with a deep certainty. Whether I do that because I set out to specifically do that, or it happens because it was meant to happen, I can't say right now. I'm still grappling with this, and it's all very difficult. And it would be so much easier if Jolly Jack were a more cooperative client. But again, <laughs> the luminaries guided him to my care. Uh, which means to me that I am the only one that can treat him. And if a person like him who labors with the pain that he labors can be treated, then he should be, because that's what I believe is a lily. The thing that is frustrating is that right now there is so much that is unclear. It is unclear what my past truly means for me and my future. Hmm. How very uh, reasonable and logical of you. Almost frustratingly so, but it feels like it's part of your training, so I'll accept it. It's the power of a lily. In order to go into an interview like this, I will reveal that I did lay down some of my burdens. It's not that I don't feel these emotions. It's that currently they are not attached to me. And I do feel in this state, I, I just don't feel in the context of my connections. I, I can tell you quite honestly that I have spent many hours crying over this, many hours angering over this, dealing with the little griefs that everyone deals with uh, whenever they encounter disappointments. Uh, and I have also spent many hours in a state of detached logic trying to determine what is the best path and what my oath is truly dictated for myself. Uh, I, I think for me, all of those methods are going to be important in order to make a decision that I can truly own as, as mine. All right. That's, that's reasonable. That's fair. I got a little bit of passion out of you. I'll accept it. So I want to move very far forward now. And you said you've lived a life longer than most get to live, but I'm sure it's finite. Down the road, far into the future, you, you've had adventures, you've had life changes, you've had clients, 
more clients than you might even be able to count. Eventually, we all settle down. We all find out where we need to end up. What does settling down look like for you? Huh. Uh, there is some presumption in that question. There absolutely is. Lilies have a privilege in the sort of payments that we're able to take. While I could certainly, you know, lose my life in an unanticipated misadventure, if there are no misadventures in my future, and I never desire to lay down my burdens, I could persist in being a lily as long as there are people who walk sphere. Is that something you want? Lilies live a different life than many other people live, which is one of the reasons that we periodically seek one another's company. I have known many lilies who have retired. I have been a lily taken the black for over 60 years now of my life. We have the privilege of being able to request in payment from clients time and youth. A lily can live in whatever way they desire to live so long as they can pay for it, very much like any person. It's just that time is not one of those limiting factors. I have met lilies who have made the decision to retire and commit themselves to Rusalka's care in the river. These lilies arrived at this decision by means that I understand, and I understand we're serious and sincere and intentional, but means that I currently can't see for myself, if that makes sense. I am comfortable to live my life one day at a time without contemplating what a life outside of the life I live might look like. Uh, perhaps there will be a year that I grow roots and come to find myself in a parlor amongst a community that I dearly love and trust and wish to serve consistently. That is a distinct possibility. I have parlored before, but I've always returned to traveling. It's something that's inside me on a deep and fundamental level. The Skyjacks have a phrase uh, that they refer to as the call of the sky the glimmering promise of adventures in an undiscovered land or new experiences in a place that you've seen once before. It draws you out of things that are otherwise reasonable and almost universally desired comforts for an adventure in a place that is unknown. That right now is very much a part of my own spirit and my own soul. So for now, my contentment, my settling, is very much in what I'm doing. I will say that for the first time in a very long time, I am more concerned with thoughts of the future simply because I don't know if I am destined to follow in the footsteps that I once took and the life that I lost so long ago. Hmm. You know... I've been a little surprised, but maybe you won't be at the number of adventurers who don't see settling down as an option. It's been fascinating for me. It's not that it's not an option, dear. It's that it's not something I need to consider right now. Most people, 
when they project into the future, it is out of dissatisfaction. When you are on a vacation, when you embark on a vacation, if someone were to ask you, what are you going to do once this vacation is over, it might give you pause hmm. because you're so concerned with the now. Towards the end of a vacation, if somebody asked you that question, you might be ready for it to be over or already dreading the uh, mundane fate that awaits you when you return. Uh, so you might be able to project into that future. But at the start of something or in the middle of something, the idea of contemplating something like that is so foreign, you can't imagine holding it as anything other than a curiosity. That very much for me is where I'm at. My, my, my job does have difficulties, but there isn't a part of it that I resent. I don't hold the fantasies that some people hold. That, that's part of being a being that is defined by story. Fantasies are part of that story. You, you might happen across someone that you find attractive and have the fantasy of making a sincere connection with them, whether it is a passionate and physical one or it is a spiritual and intimate one. But all of these things are just fantasies, and it is not appropriate to summon some of them into a real space. Some people are just destined to be attractive strangers in your life. And I have not yet encountered the fantasy of what it looks like when Margaret decides to hang up all of her various connections and step away from a life of connections and service. In all the futures I see currently, there is a part of me that is still doing those things, which is one of the reasons, honestly, that I have very complicated feelings about discovering my past. I don't see myself ever not being a lily, and I don't know what it means, really, to be caught up in a luminary's story. And it is undeniable that my life has been dictated by that in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. Do you know the Changeling's Tale? I'm unfamiliar with it, no. It is one of the most ancient stories in Sphere, and it is one that is told and retold across the whole of the world. There was a foundling that was committed to a river by uncaring parents and discovered by the forest queen. He was rescued from the river and given a body that would not suffer mortal ills. No disease may touch him, no time may touch him. In her domain, according to her imagination, he would live freely and happily at her pleasure. And then, one day, this child, the changeling, having grown into a man, came across a young maiden, and the two of them fell in love. And this love pulled the changeling away from the forest queen, and this displeased her. She conspired to separate them, but they were serious in their commitment to one another, and attempted to run away. In running away, they had to cross a river and the queen summoned her power 
and brought that river to churn in order to dissuade them from running. But it didn't work. Mm. They chose to press on anyway and were both swallowed up by the river and died in each other's love. It is a complicated story and an important one for all parents and young folk to contemplate and understand in themselves. But it is also a true story, and a story that has remained true for a remarkably long time. There have been many changelings, and only one queen, and she has played out this story time and time again across centuries. It is a real thing, and a powerful thing, and it is a thing that I must consider, and I have to consider the ways in which it has been broken, and perhaps even contemplate the ways that it can be broken. And in all of that, I need to decide who and what I am. Wow. Thank you very much for opening up like that. I know being vulnerable isn't always easy, but um, I appreciate it, and I know my audience is uh, very much going to appreciate that. It's something that I endeavor to do in all spaces that I can. Thank you for listening to part two of my interview with Margaret. She's a character from the mind of James D'Amato using a modified version of the Genesis system by Fantasy Flight Games. James is the author of the Ultimate RPG Guide book series, as well as the creative mastermind behind the One Shot Podcast Network, which is host to a whole bevy of tabletop RPG-related content, including Campaign Skyjacks, the podcast that Margaret is from. Campaign Skyjacks follows the crew of the Uhuru, a skyship navigating a folktale world of adventure and danger inspired by the music of the Decemberists. If you like heartfelt collaborative storytelling that is full of playful banter, as well as a nautical folk soundtrack, you need this podcast in your life. You can check out everything the One Shot Podcast is up to by visiting oneshotpodcast.com or by following James on Twitter at twitter.com slash oneshotrpg. Links in the podcast description. Thank you to Josiah Piles for the cover art and to Kylan Small for the intro and outro music of the podcast. Please check out the links in the podcast description for more of their content. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And if you'd like to connect with me or other like-minded adventurers, join the Fantasy Talk Show Discord, where I run a monthly game that I'd love to see you at. You can join by clicking the link in the description. Also, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash fantasytalkshow or my Twitter page at twitter.com slash fantasypodshow. Talk to you soon.